Thin Line Believers is a Christ-based outreach for the men and women who walk the thin line between good and evil, order and chaos. Our motto is, our service for His glory. To the police officers, veterans, firefighters, corrections, paramedics, dispatchers, and whoever else may join us, we are so glad you're here. Hey, welcome to Thin Line Believers. Uh, this week, we got a pretty amazing guest here. Um, and it, it, I don't know, it seems a little bit uh, disingenuous to introduce you with a few seconds here. But um, this week we have we have Greg Amundsen. So Greg is an author. He's also a former uh, deputy, correct, with, with Santa Cruz County? That's correct. And uh, DEA, DEA agent, uh, captain in the Army. Um, geez, uh CrossFit gym owner. I know I'm missing a lot here, and like I said, this it just doesn't seem right to try to sum you up in a few words here. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take away and kind of explain your background to us. Oh sure, I appreciate it. The most awkward question on any show is, so Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I have to, I have to ask, what what day is it? Because every day I seem to be wearing a different hat. Um, <laughs> You know, there's this awesome Bible verse. We'll get right to scripture, gentlemen. Awesome Bible verse. The righteous are directed by the Lord. That's one translation. Another translation says the steps of the righteous are directed by the Lord. It's in the Proverbs. And the general principle involved is that as we follow God, God is directing our steps. And he closes doors. He opens doors. He ushers things in and he ushers things out. And it seems like the closer I've drawn to the Lord and the more I've tried to make him a priority, there's this sense that the steps that I'm taking are really in his hand because there's no other explanation for the doors that have opened, for the relationships that I've made, for the good favor and blessing that I've had in my life. I have to just point people back to the gospel truth that I'm seeking God, and just like Jesus promised, when we seek him first, everything else is added to us. And I can contrast that with other seasons in my life where I was doing the opposite. I was seeking everything else, and nothing was working out as a result of that. And when I got my priorities right and started to really put God first, then it just seemed like, not that the challenges and the tests still didn't come. In many respects, they increased. It's just that I knew it was all part of his plan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen doors open that we didn't, couldn't even believe would be open uh, when we've, you know, started this whole Thin Line Believers. And so, I mean, that speaks to us, and I'm sure it'll speak to, to many who are listening, you know, just following the Lord and, and following his, his promptings of where he wants us to be is just incredible so exactly yeah. and it's not always easy right that's why we wanted to have you on the show because you know i've i've read a few of your books and so i can see that you're coming at this from a from a standpoint of of, of experience and a lot of various experience and so that's why we wanted to have you today 
Yeah, you know, what I try to do, what, I mean, I, I, I consider myself, um, j just like you gentlemen, you know, we're, we're evangelists. We're trying to share the relationship that's most important in our lives with other people that we love and care about. And in doing that, it seems that the experiences that God has provided for me, whether they be in law enforcement, military, in CrossFit, those experiences, they uniquely shaped me and they gave me context to share the gospel through a language and a vernacular that's unique to our demographic of brothers and sisters. So we can talk about being a warrior and fighting the good fight and finishing the race. Like we can use that language and we have an immediate association and connection because even outside the gospel, you start talking to a cop about fighting the good fight. They want in on that conversation. So we've got this language and this relationship and this amazing career that we can use as a platform to share the word of God. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, yeah, and we, you know, I mean, at work, I we kind of have some swag that we we carry around with us, and just having those things and the word getting out um, has just opened doors, even at at my desk. You know, being a detective, where people come through and they'll see something, or hey, you have a podcast? You know, I didn't know you had a podcast. You know, and then you get to open it up to yeah, it's a Christian-based, you know, Bible-based podcast, and you know, welcome, you know, come and listen to it. You know, get this yeah. in your ear, and they, these are guys that that would never open up to that stuff before where it's right. just like this, this brief window that we get sometimes yeah. um, where we get to have that. In well, what you guys are doing is so important. I'm so honored to be on your show. This is awesome. Cool. So, uh, Greg, if you don't mind, how how this all gets started? Um, I understand from your reading that, that, uh, your, your dad was quite the saint. <laughs> Yeah, my mom and dad were just tremendous influences in my life. They wore, just like me now, so many hats. Uh, my dad was a Navy diver, bodybuilder, pastor, chiropractor, energetic healer, author, speaker, just an amazing guy. My mom, up until the last hours of her life, my mom, she was dedicated to service. She was serving in the Peace Corps in Umar Ras, Jordan which was a hardship post at 60 years old. And an amazing story about my mom, I was working DEA at the time my mom was in Jordan, and I got this encrypted message from a diplomatic security agent at the embassy in Jordan. And he said, is this the Greg Amundsen that might have a Julianne Amundsen who's serving in the Peace Corps? <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's me. And he emailed back and said, you do know that your mom's an Umar Ras, right? <laughs> and I said, yeah, brother, I know. I, I tried to convince her to go to a safer location, but she wanted none of it. And he said, yeah, you know, if anything happens, we're, we're here. <laughs> um, but that was my mom. You know, she, she wanted to continue to serve um, up until, you know, hours before she passed away. And my, my dad was the same way. When my dad passed away, there were 2,000 people at his funeral at Presentation Church in Stockton. And, you know, 90% of them I didn't know. And what's remarkable is that most of them had never met my dad personally. They had been um, a brother or a sister or a friend or a spouse of someone that my dad had helped. Um, so, you know, my, my parents just, they, they set the bar high. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really trying my best to, to live up to their legacy and to embody in my life 
collectively what they taught me and most importantly, what they demonstrated for me. Um, so with some of my earliest childhood memories, I've got this great photograph that uh, is kind of near and dear to my heart. I'm, I'm dressed up in my dad's naval uniform. Um, and I've got, I've got like a rifle in one hand, my dad's scuba knife in the other. I've got these knee pads on. I've got a backup knife in one knee pad and a backup pistol in the other. Rifle slung around my back. Like I, I look like a commando. Um, and that was just what my passions were. I was playing G.I. Joe. At school, I was the conflict resolution manager. You know, I just love this idea that I could follow in my dad's footsteps and I could be a warrior and that I could protect people and I could serve people and I could I could stand up for people that couldn't stand up for themselves like that ideology and that um, that archetype, you know, at, at a young age, it just it shaped me and not much has changed to this day. You know, it's still kind of how I see myself and. And again, to go to scripture, you know, David wrote, reflected on his life, that God knit him together in his mother's womb. And so I always tell cops when I, when I travel and teach that it's not an accident, it's not a coincidence that you're in this career field. This is a career that chooses you. You don't choose this career. Just like David didn't choose to fight Goliath. He didn't choose to be the next king. God chose him. We're in that lineage. I believe that we follow in those big footsteps of David because we're confronting and fighting the Goliaths of our society today. And so, you know, if, if you're a, a listener today and, and you're, you're interested in the gospel message, like it's written for you. If you're a cop, you need the word because God knit you together. He prepared you when you were in your mother's womb, he gave you the attributes, the skills, the abilities that he knew you would need to do the job that you do today. Yeah, I agree with that. In fact, last week I had a conversation with uh, a uh, chaplain who, who pointed us to R Romans 13, who talked about that very thing, that uh, we were put, put in this career for, for a reason. And uh, I think a lot of what we're running into nowadays is... A lot of uh, struggles, I guess, for lack of more specific term. It's just, oh, yeah, it, it's just a wide range of, of mental, emotional, yeah, spiritual mm -hmm. struggles yeah. that we're that we're seeing. Um, and and so I kind of wanted to uh, to ask you specifically because you know we, we read your book and a lot of and a lot of your book your books actually kind of um, are in this this direction about having overall. Uh, wellness, and so I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, what what are the, the the legs that you see of wellness as a as a totality, and then and then how do you I don't know how, how do you uh, act upon that? With yeah, purpose? it's a great it's it's a great question. Uh, well, everything begins in our mind. The thoughts we have ultimately shape our life. So. I'm a CrossFit athlete, have been for 20 years. I was at the right place at the right time. I happened to be serving as a deputy sheriff in Santa Cruz. CrossFit started in Santa Cruz. Approximately five days before I found CrossFit, I had my first honest-to-goodness fight for my life as a deputy sheriff. And my first CrossFit workout felt like I was fighting for my life. So I drew an association and in my young mind, I had the realization that if I keep doing these workouts, there's a chance 
that I might get comfortable with this feeling of being very uncomfortable. I knew that it was a life-saving fitness program. For the first several years of my training, I was focused exclusively entirely on the physical adaptation to the CrossFit program. And then one day we were in Seattle, Coach Glassman and I, Coach Glassman being the founder of CrossFit. He said these words to me that just shaped my life. They changed the trajectory of what I was focusing on. He said, the greatest adaptation to CrossFit takes place between the ears, which is remarkable because up to that point, I thought the greatest adaptation would be physical. And Coach pointed me in a new direction, and it was a new frontier, a new trajectory. And what I started to realize was that the physical training was a means by which I could cultivate a strong mind. Then fast forward five, six years later, I took it one step further and I realized, well, not only can the physical training be a catalyst to strengthen my mind, but more importantly, it can also strengthen my spirit. This can be a context, a tangible way for me to have a relationship with God. I can use the physical training to increase my intimacy and my relationship with God. And I should have caught that association sooner because it's not a coincidence or accident that the Apostle Paul uses these illustrations and these analogies of physical training, running a race, boxing, being a soldier. He's using these very tangible physical illustrations to draw people, to allow people to make an association and a connection with the truth of God's word. So I should have made that association sooner. Thank God that I made it when I did. And when I did, it greatly influenced the way that I train, the way that I pray, the way that I write, the way that I run my business. When I travel and teach law enforcement, I'm teaching a course on CrossFit for law enforcement. Now I just find strategic ways to parallel my teaching, rooting it and creating a foundation, a bedrock or cornerstone in the truth of the gospel because it's right there. Mm -hmm. And it's so important. It gives people that context and that assurance and that hope. And one more really amazing note on this, coming back to David. David, by the way, is a great character for us to use as we share the word of God, because we all want to be David. When David was anointed, the word of God came through the prophet Samuel at the anointing and said, although people look at the outward appearance God looks at the heart. And the way that the author used heart at that time in our history, it didn't mean the cardiopulmonary organ in the chest. Certainly doesn't mean Valentine's Day hallmark. It was referring to the subconscious mind. In other words, although we're consumed with what the outward appearance looked like, God is concerned with the quality of our thinking, how we relate to him in our mind. And so that should be a, the utmost priority to us as well. If that's what matters to God, well, that's what needs to matter to me as well. And it just so happens that yeah, yeah. the CrossFit training or any training, any physical training that an officer feels drawn to, that is an opportunity in particular as that workout increases in intensity, as that workout becomes more uncomfortable, as the temptation to quit increases. That is a tangible opportunity to begin to develop the faculty of the mind, 
Because just like I can be in the middle of a workout and want to quit, that's a temptation. Well, I can also face temptations in every other area of my life. And my mind, the faculty of my willpower doesn't exist in a vacuum. So if I can create willpower to persevere through a workout, I can use that same faculty of my mind to persevere through any other season of challenge that comes into my life. It's just that the CrossFit workout or the physical training is a super tangible, quantifiable, measurable way to do it. Very good. Very good. So you, you talk about the heart here, and I actually have uh, highlighted in your book here. So this is, this is from your book, The Good Soldier. <clears throat> and it says, in the same way our mind was thinking, reasoning, and intellectual capacities has, excuse me, Paul understood our heart shared these same capacities on an even deeper and more spiritually significant level. In fact, according to Paul, the mind may have even blunted the true spiritual wisdom of the heart. And I have that highlighted in even going back to your book, uh, Fire Breather Fitness, you know, I started to, to really incorporate some of these uh, mindfulness methods that you talked about. So I was hoping you could kind of touch on some of that stuff. Sure, absolutely. Well, mindfulness really just means at the most rudimentary level, the awareness of our thinking in any given moment. So if we imagine ourselves having a conversation, then I want to witness the words that I'm saying. And I want to witness the thought that precedes the word that I speak. Now, to give this context to law enforcement, this simply means I need to be a trained observer. <laughs> that sound familiar? Right? I mean, that's what cops do. That's what we should be really good at. We're trained observers. It's just that we've been trained to observe, to come back to Scripture, the outward appearance. We're not trained to observe what's happening between our ears, what's happening in our heart. In many respects, we're trained to suppress that. And so what we need to do on the spiritual path is we need to bring that same training, that same skillfulness we have at observing other people, and we need to observe ourselves. And one of the ways we observe ourselves is in any given moment, we just bring awareness to the quality of our thinking. And when I say quality, there's two general degrees of thinking. Positive. The way this is described in the warrior tradition, you're either feeding the wolf of courage or the wolf of fear. The way this would be outlined in the scriptures, it's either evil or it's God. It's one or the other. It's the truth of God's word or it's evil. One or the other. There's no middle ground. Jesus says flat out, you're with me or you're against me. There's just no middle ground. There's no such thing as an idle thought. It's going to fall into one of those categories. And our job as trained observers is to observe our thoughts, notice where they're lining up, and through the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit, to continue to direct the thoughts towards the truth of God's word. And the way to do that is to have the God's word readily available in our mind. That's the key, is that God's word, like a tuning fork or a radio station that you dial into, it can help us align the totality of thoughts 
in that direction so that all our thoughts are streaming in that direction. But the prerequisite is becoming aware of the thought in the first place. Yeah, and, and it's very subtle. A lot of it's very subtle. I've noticed, you know, kind of trying to put some of your words into action here in my own workouts. I've noticed that instead of, you know, putting into my brain something like, uh, I'm not going to quit or I'm not going to fail this, well, that's already put the thought of quitting and failure in my mind. Yes. So instead of something like that, I, I convince myself, I can do this, I'm, I'm pushing forward, you know, something to that effect, and trying to keep that, uh, that negativity out of my own brain. So. Exactly. You know, if you look through the Old Testament, the epic battles of Gideon, Moses, David, when these characters sought the counsel of God before going into battle, when God told them they would be successful, it was always in the positive tense. God never said, pursue the enemy. You're not going to lose. It was pursue the enemy. I am with you. You will be victorious. So we should be speaking to ourselves the same way. I can do it. I will persevere. God is with me. I'm a warrior. I am well able. I am capable. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are all affirmations in the positive tense. That's so important. The reason is that our mind does not register the negative tense. Our subconscious mind just hears the blueprint of what to do, not what not to do. In other words, you tell yourself, don't quit. The subconscious, all it hears is quit. At the other end of the spectrum, you tell yourself, keep going. Those two words, keep and going. Those are both in the positive tense. They're both affirming the direction, the trajectory you want to go. And once again, that's being programmed into your subconscious mind or to use the words of the biblical author, the heart. So the words that we think, the language that we utilize, very precious to God. Our words and our thoughts are very, very important. They're part of the redeeming, the redemption, the regeneration that Jesus wants in our life. He wants all of us. Everything needs to be subject and submission to him, including our thoughts. You put that in context with the way the, the world is right now, with all the negativity that gets thrown at us. And I mean, there's a reason behind that, that the, the enemy has learned, hey, I can utilize this to break people down. I can utilize these things to, to hit these these folks, you know, at the soul of who they are and what they're trying to be. Um, and, you know, it's an uphill battle for, for guys like us and guys like you and, you know, the evangelical type to yeah. do, to turn that tide, you know, with, with how much of that is out there. And, you know, we, we're seeing quite the, the epidemic, you know, in our communities with, you know, police and fire and veterans and all of them uh, and the suicide rates that are just skyrocketing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's even more important for us to get this out and get these words of encouragement and positivity out to these folks. It's a vital mission imperative. Our brothers and sisters need this word. You know, something that just dawned on me, gentlemen, so unique. Very often we need to remind ourselves that there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> like the author of Ecclesiastes yeah. wrote. So, you know, we think that we're fighting this uphill battle now, and we are. But consider this. When David fought Goliath, the only person who was cheering David on was God. 
everyone else was against him. Not only Goliath, not only the Philistine army, his own brother was against him. Right. There was no one for him save God that day. But David still went yeah. to work. He still took care of business. He still did his job. He was still a warrior. And so I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but for the law enforcement warriors who are serving and protecting, we shouldn't be that surprised if we're not driving around in our squad cars and the streets are lined up with people just cheering for us. Yay, officer. No, that's just not biblical. It's going to be the contrary. Those closest to us are going to be questioning our resolve, our ethics, our morals. Mm -hmm. Well, if it happened to David, it's going to happen to us. We shouldn't be that surprised. But what did David do that set him apart? He relied on the word of God. He knew God was with him. He knew this was part of his destiny. He knew that he'd been chosen by God. He knew that, therefore, because he was chosen, he would be successful. Not apart from God, but with God. And so we've got to remember that, that those days that we feel like the world is against us, it probably is. And that's also a good sign. That's a clue that God's got us right where he wants us. He wants us to be going the opposite direction. And again, to put this into context, this is what we're trained to do. You think about any active shooter type situation. Everyone is running one direction. Meanwhile, you're moving the other direction. You're going towards the danger, towards the threat, towards the Goliath. Meanwhile, everyone else is running the other direction. And not only are they running the other direction, they're practically knocking you over in the process. But we're trained. We know how to move through that crowd. We know how to address the threat, neutralize the threat. And we just have to take that physical training and we have to make that spiritually adapted to our life. We have to see it the same way. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like a lot of times when we are being used the most by God, we end up falling into that pit of depression more most easily. And, and for example, you talked about David. Well, what, how about Elijah when he called down the fire and, and it consumed everything, and then he he sees this tiny cloud, right? He outruns it, oh, and 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 the rain comes, and then it's soon after that he receives threats on his life. He goes into the wilderness and he's just a depressed mess. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. A lot of times, that's when the devil is getting into our ears. And that's when depression sets in. So, Yeah, so, you know, a good tool to help mitigate that, you know, we could move right from theory to application. Just the same way, I recall when I was working as a deputy sheriff, the old timers, they had this battle rhythm or battle routine where they would get dressed the exact same way. They had this routine, this rhythm, and they were making a transition. They were transitioning from... I'm Bob, the spouse, the parent, the upstanding citizen. Now, uniform on, gun belt on, badge in place, warrior, going to work, fighting the good fight. I remember watching these old timers and loving that transition, that ritual, and adopting that in my life. And it's not a coincidence that that transition took place at the beginning of their shift. And so we can apply the same principle in our life. In the morning, when we wake up, 
That's the beginning of our shift, so to speak. And we should have rituals that we abide by, that we embrace first thing in the morning. And some of those rituals could be things such as reading from the Bible, meditation, taking some slow, deep breaths, prayer. These are rituals that we can embrace in our life spiritually that help us align our life first thing in the morning with our ultimate source of strength with God. Because if we fall out of that rhythm, that's when we're most likely to receive attack. No different than that law enforcement officer that approaches the vehicle and says to themselves, oh, it's a routine car stop. Or that deputy or officer that's en route to a domestic violence call, their beat partner pops up on the radio inquiring if they want backup and their response is, no, it's okay. Routine call for service. I've been here before. Well, you and I both know that deputy, that officer, they are asking for a world of hurt. Those are some famous last words or infamous last words, I should perhaps say. So the idea is that we always have to be on guard. We always have to be ready. No different than ensuring your weapon system is loaded. We have to make sure our spiritual system is loaded as well. And one of the ways we do that is by dropping into these just basic fundamental routines of the spiritual life. These are what have been handed down by the masters, by Jesus himself. Jesus took time for prayer. Jesus took time for solitude and silence in the presence of our Heavenly Father. Well, if Jesus did, you and I should as well, right? We need to have daily time in the scriptures, daily time with God, daily time in silence. During my week, during my month, I need to have time in solitude, contemplating, prayerfully inquiring of God's will for my life. I need to have those disciplines in my life, just like I have the discipline of going to the CrossFit studio, just like I have the discipline of going to the range, just like I have the discipline of training in Krav Maga, boxing, jiu-jitsu. I've got to have all these disciplines in place. And this is what really sets the warrior apart, is that it takes a warrior to have those disciplines in place and to abide by them. That's what separates the warrior from every other class of society. But guess what? If you wear a badge, if you carry a gun, you're a warrior. And you've got to embrace the totality of that archetype, what that really means. So you talk about meditation, and that's in Fire Breather Fitness. That's actually kind of where my first real exposure was to it. I mean, we've heard about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that was actually the first time that I said, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. Just You know, it, it seems a little hippy-dippy to me, but I'm going to try it. And and actually, what I ended up finding was I, I got on YouTube and I looked up uh, Christian meditation is what I looked up. Yeah. And so I found one that that actually works for me. And so it's it's a morning, it's a day, you know, starter for me. But then I also took some, uh, you know, an, an hour class at the IACP Officer Safety Wellness Symposium, and that one was a little weird too. But it it put in my mind some different methods, and then I actually kind of started using them, say, when I'm in traffic, right? I'll, I'll kind of employ some of the breathing techniques. Like, yeah. okay, I don't want to kill this person so bad now, <laughs> you know? And so I was, I was hoping that it would kind of kind of help share uh, what do you do as far as, as, far as your, your uh, daily uh, practice, I guess. Yeah, well, the first thing 
to do, I gave a sermon on this at my ministry in Santa Cruz a few months ago. The first thing as Christians that we have to do is understand meditation is biblical. We have to take that word meditation back. We have to own that word because you're absolutely right, brother. It is somewhat hippy-dippy. I live in Santa Cruz. You better believe everyone is meditating in Santa Cruz. My CrossFit studio is adjacent to a yoga studio. While we're meditating on the word of God, they're meditating on the Bhagavad Gita or the Yoga Sutra of Pantajali. So if I'm saying meditation and they're saying meditation, then we kind of need to get our terms in order. We have to define what it is we're doing, in particular as Christians. What is Christian meditation? And the word meditation, to meditate on the word of God, that's a predominant theme in the scriptures. David wrote, I meditate on the word of God day and night. Psalm 1, the first psalm of the psalm book, talks about meditation, that the one who meditates on the word of God is like a tree planted by streams of living water. So it's this beautiful predominant theme we see time and time again. So in other words, as Christians, we need to be meditating. I don't think it's a recommendation. I actually would think it would be a command. The scriptures say everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, in our mind, when we say the name of the Lord, whether it be Yahweh, God, Lord Jesus Christ, when we call on that name, we're saved. That's a saving grace in our life. So the way that I teach meditation is I use as my mantra, which just means meditative word or sound, I call on the name of Jesus. And in my mind, I say, Lord Jesus Christ. And I repeat that, Lord Jesus Christ. And I repeat it again, Lord Jesus Christ. And then suddenly I have a thought like, boy, that workout was tough. Yeah, I did so good in that workout. I'm a fire breather. Oops, wait a minute. That's not my mantra. Lord Jesus Christ. And I come back to the mantra. And that may happen if I'm meditating for 10 minutes, that dance or that interplay between my mantra and a thought other than my mantra, that might happen 10, 20, 100 times. And that's okay. No judgment, no expectation. All that I do and all that I would encourage the listener to do is just come back when you become aware that you're not saying the mantra, come back to the mantra. And this is how we train our mind to dwell in the presence of God throughout the totality of our day. In other words, our whole day can be like that 10-minute meditation period because I'm training my mind to become aware of when I'm saying the mantra and when I'm not. Then I go through the course of my day and I've trained my mind to be aware of when my mind is in the presence of God and when it's not, and every time it's not, no judgment, no expectation, I just come back to the presence of God. And I can come back by just saying in my mind, Lord Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. It doesn't need to be a complicated, to use your words, hippy-dippy, <laughs> strenuous practice. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so simple. It's, and you know, also as Christians, um, we're empowered in this by the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is helping us to keep our minds steady and in the presence of our Lord. That's the role of the Holy Spirit is to shape us and to, to help us, to, to use a CrossFit word, to forge us. It's, help, it's spotting us. It's helping us to be in the presence of our Lord. So that's a profound practice. Yeah. You know, I think that if we were to practice meditation five or 10 minutes a day, if that was to become the daily rhythm of the listener, I really feel strongly that that can be an amazing addition to someone's spiritual practice. Not to mention the fact that there's just an abundance of really sound science on the benefits of meditation. It triggers the parasympathetic nervous system. It helps return the body to homeostasis. It creates a sense of equilibrium in the physiology of the body. It helps to create new neural pathway in the mind. I mean, it's just a profound practice. Yeah, I like, I like that. Um, one, I guess, mantra that, I, that I've used, and, and I got this actually from, from Ben Corson, was, you know, he talked about how when you're breathing, you're actually almost like speaking the name of God as you do it, because yeah. as you breathe in, it's Yah, and then out, it's way. So Yahweh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yahweh, and so that's one that I've, I've, I've done too. So I mean, it, to each their own, really, yeah. as long as it's bringing you to that right. Spot, yeah, the right? Yahweh, I teach that as well. And if you're aware of the sound of the breath, that's a beautiful mantra because now what you're doing is you're encapsulating different sensory organs of the body, where I'm utilizing my hearing, my auditory realm i'm utilizing that faculty of my physiology to help focus my mind and if my eyes are closed then i'm eliminating that sensory organ so i'm creating this sense of stillness and equilibrium and almost like a tabernacle within my body so the yahweh meditation to match that or to yoke that with the sound of the breath that's an awesome practice i highly endorse that yeah um so I'm going to challenge our listeners and people at work with this because I have put it into practice uh, recently as well. And I think it's something that uh, the prototypical type A doesn't want to get in that, that mindset, right? I'm, I'm in control of my own self. I'm in control of whatever's going on. Um, and I found that I, I let that go when I got into that space um, and I got into that meditation and that, you know, that positive uh, energy that I had. Um, really did shape, um, you know, my day going forward. If my day was not going positive, it recentered me, like you talked about. Yeah. So I want to challenge, uh, you know, our listeners to to put this to use because I mean, here's three guys talking over, you know, the internet together right now that have put it into use and have had seen just huge advantages and you know, uh, in their lives and in their mindsets with it. So yeah. Yeah, you know, here's a good way from the garbage. So yeah. <laughs> here's some words of advice from one of my mentors, a gentleman named Mark Devine, a 20 year Navy SEAL commander. He now runs a program called SEAL Fit. He was one of my meditation teachers. Interestingly enough, my other meditation teacher is a gentleman named Rolf Gates. He's a former Army Ranger captain. So these two really hardcore warrior types had the duality. They had both practices in place. Physical specimens who also realized the benefit of achieving mental clarity and peacefulness. And what Mark told me was that a warrior 
needs to be skillful both in action and non-action, both in movement and stillness. So again, we have to remember that as officers, we're very adapt, we're highly trained, we're very skillful in movement, in action, yet we're not trained how to be skillful in stillness and non-action. That's something that we're going to have to seek out on our own. The good news is that the resources are bountiful. There's immense resources and training and programs that can teach us. We just have to be proactive about seeking it out and then even more importantly, implementing it in our life. All right, so to change slightly direction here. So we've talked about physical health. I think I think we all know that, that physical health is incredibly important and departments have been pretty good about and encouraging that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, mindfulness, they're getting a little bit better about that. They're realizing the, the importance of it. Spirituality, however, I think we still fall very short. And <laughs> to quote uh, the good soldier, your book here again, uh, the leader must be biblically formed and have commanding knowledge of the word of God as the basis for establishing conviction in their faith in Jesus Christ. Yet we must not stop with the head knowledge. The leader must also be immersed in spiritual practices and virtues that allow them to train their loves and habituate themselves as citizens of the kingdom of God. And so can we can we dive into just a little bit more about uh, spirituality and why it's, it's imperative to uh, overall health? Sure. Well, consider those people in our career that may be antagonistic to a discussion on spirituality. The way that I would recommend approaching this is just asking those people, has there ever been a time in your career when you have faced evil? Now, we let that sink in for a moment. And Everyone's nodding their head. Yes, I faced evil numerous times. So then you just ask the same person to contemplate. Well, if you are facing evil, if you're confronting evil, what does that make you? And they realize, well, that makes me good. So this evil and this good, those are spiritual qualities. Now we're in a spiritual conversation. So to deny spirituality exists in the law enforcement profession is just insanity. Because in order to make that claim that spirituality doesn't have a place in law enforcement, you're denying the fact that what you do every day is confront, apprehend, and do your best to stop, to prevent evil from infiltrating the good lives of the people that we're sworn to protect and serve. So we're in a spiritual business. <laughs> That's the first thing we have to understand. So to be in spiritual <laughs> business, we have to equip ourselves for, here's the key, gentlemen, spiritual warfare. So at the academy, we're going to be equipped. We're going to get the Kevlar helmet, the vest. We're going to get all kinds of training and resources to protect our physical body. But just like Paul said, we're not just fighting a flesh and blood war. The real enemy is in the heavenly realms. And that just means spiritual realm, that there's something else happening that we just can't see with our eyes, but that's just as tangible and just as dangerous. And again, to come back to the statistic we're all too aware of, the fact that our brothers and sisters 
are killing themselves in a higher proportion than those that are dying from facing the criminal element. That's a major problem. And again, that comes back to a spiritual issue because no amount of physical training can prevent someone from harming themselves if the real enemy they're facing is not out there. It's in here. It's in their mind or in their heart. So we are in a spiritual battle. And to deny that, that is giving the victory over to the devil. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. To deny that we're in that war and in that conflict, that's empowering the enemy. So we certainly have our work cut out for us. Now, we also have to be mindful of those people who are just not interested in hearing the gospel message. Nevertheless, we have a responsibility. No different than if one of our brothers and sisters calls for backup, I don't really care if they know Jesus or not, I'm going. I'm going to lay down my life for that person regardless if they have a relationship with Jesus or not. But even more so, yeah, probably even more so. But here's the thing: if I'm willing to lay down physically for them, if I'm willing to go to battle physically for them, I should also go to battle spiritually for them to help protect them, not just from the demons in this world, but kind of from the demons of eternity. So I need to find a strategic way to help people see that a relationship with Jesus is really good. It's in our best interest. And one of the ways to do that is the paragraph that you just read from is this idea that, yes, we need to have a command of the scriptures, but if that's all that we do, if we stop there, that's what I would consider head knowledge. Ultimately, those words, they need to get in my mind and then they have to penetrate into my heart. And they have to shape the way that I interact with the world. And this is what I refer to in the book as the demonstrative method of leadership or the demonstrative method of sharing the gospel. Everything we do should embody the truth of the gospel so that even if I'm mute, even if I can't speak, someone should be able to look at my life and see something inherently different about the way that I am. And to use an illustration, you know, think about the inner circle of Jesus, his closest companions. Then think about Jesus. Jesus was much like a fire. And as the apostles drew closer to him, they got warmer and warmer and warmer. Just being in his presence warmed them. And we can have that same effect on people. We can have an embodied experience of the gospel truth in such a way that people want to be around us. And when they're around us, we're that fire through the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're gently transforming people just by our association with them. And I know that kind of sounds subjective, and it is. It's miraculous. Not everything, when we go to the scripture, can be objective. because. Our God is a supernatural God. So we just have to take this on faith that we can influence people just by being in their presence, just by being in their company. 
we can just carry the presence of God with us. Yeah, that is so good. And I think, you know, I mean, I don't know what else I can say to that. Really, you just wrap that all up together, um, you know, to to give our listeners just that, that encouragement that they need, both, you know, physically, mentally, spiritually, um, you know, to to find that positive place um, to, to turn around whatever they might have going or whatever they might have coming, you know, in the future, um, you know, whether that's now or later or even dealing with demons in the past. I mean, there are so many of us that have those demons that they're trying to figure out how to, how to turn that battle back at that demon and at that enemy and, you know, go at them with God at our right hand yeah. and battling those things. Um, I, yeah. think, I think you, you spoke that beautifully to our audience here. So, yeah, I, I don't know that I can add anything. <laughs> no, not really. But I, I do want to uh, ask you, Greg, about, about your own podcast because you actually run you, – you do your own biblical-based podcast on your website there. Can you tell us about that? Sure, yeah. I've got a podcast out. I do my best to update it weekly. It's called The Greg Amundsen Show. And the first year of the podcast was almost repurposing a lot of the material that I was teaching for CrossFit on positive self-talk and goal setting. Leadership was a topic as well. That was mainly the first year, although I was doing my best to substantiate those principles on the Word of God. Now, the podcast is really a weekly sermon. I'm giving a sermon 15 to 35 minutes, yet the biblical message that I'm sharing, I'm still trying to use the illustration and the association of CrossFit, law enforcement, military, the warrior archetype. So it's a weekly podcast. I'd love the listener to tune in and check it out. Now, you talked about goal setting. That's a, a spot where I struggle. So, I mean, how do we get better at doing that? Because, I mean, that's that's really a sticking point for me. That's a tough one. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been intrigued recently by goal setting because there's not a lot of information on goal setting in the Bible. <laughs> um, I, I just had this really remarkable insight when God told Moses he was going to be the one that would deliver the people from bondage and captivity in Egypt. Moses started to ask God a series of questions. And one of the first questions Moses asked is rather insightful for all of us. Moses asked something along the lines, I'll paraphrase, he asked something along the lines of, who am I that I would have this responsibility? Who am I? And God doesn't answer the question. Rather than telling Moses who he is, God tells Moses who God is and says, don't worry about who you are. Just know me and I'll be with you. And whatever I call you to do, I will equip you for it. And so I still feel strongly that goal setting is important. For a Christian, being able to use our mind in such a way that we can focus our effort and our energy in a specific direction, because that's really all that goal setting is, is it's deciding a path to take and then being vigilant about staying on that path. Now, that's biblical because we see that throughout the Proverbs. 
We look at Psalm 23. That's what our Lord is doing. He's leading us along. What path? Well, the right path. <laughs> so I think that goal setting can be repurposed in a biblical way if we just realize that the ultimate goal is to know God. And if we're seeking God, he starts to direct our steps to come back to how we opened up our conversation together today. As I seek God first and make him my number one priority or my number one goal, he leads me along the right path. He will increase the desires of my heart in the way that he wants me to go while simultaneously decreasing or suppressing my desires in the way that he does not want me to go. So what I'm up to these days is in my own life, and therefore if I do it, I try to be transparent about teaching it, is let people know I'm still passionate about goal setting. It's a big part of my life, but I just focus my goal, to use that vernacular and that language, on God. And I see what he wants me to do next. And the other thing that this has done, this way of using goal setting, is it's made the goal a daily experience. Whereas normally if we look to the secular for principles of goal setting, it's these five, 10, these long-term goals. But what's interesting, if we look to the life of Jesus and the rhythm that Jesus kept, it was daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Think about the Old Testament manna. The manna came daily. Every day there was provision. And the Israelites were even told, don't store it up. Just take what you need for today. There's going to be abundance for today. There's always this provision. And so when I think about goal setting, I think of it along the same lines. There needs to be this immediacy and this intensity to know God, to enter into his fellowship, to hear his voice. When? Today, right now. And only when I do that can I ensure that Tomorrow and the next day and the next will be in alignment with his word. If I'm ignoring the presence and the company, the voice of God today, that's going to set me on a trajectory further and further away. Other end of the coin, the closer I draw to him today, that would lead me to believe that tomorrow and the next day and the next, that needle, that compass is moving me closer and closer and closer to him. So again, it's kind of a subjective answer, but you know, it just, it, it seems to be working really well in my life. And I'm not that surprised because again, that's what Jesus said, you know, seek me first to you, to use modern language. Um, you want to set a goal? Great. I got one for you. Know me, have a relationship with me. How's that for a goal? <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, I, I mean, I don't have, more questions. I mean, I got a lot of more questions, but I don't. I, I don't want to <laughs> continue on any longer than than our listener will actually pay attention. So, um, but I do want to ask if you're willing, if you'll you know close this interview out in prayer for us. Praise God! Yeah, I was going to ask you the same thing. Praise God! Absolutely, I'd love to. I would love to. All right, Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had together. This has been awesome. Father, I pray that you would bless the listeners. I know that the majority of the listeners are likely public servants. There are people that you have called into a career that is a high 
noble calling. And in order to be in that career with any longevity, with any sense of purpose, they have to have the sense that they were born for that profession, born for that role, and that you equipped them, even in their mother's womb, you equipped them, you gave them the attributes, the skills, the abilities that they would need to be triumphant in this career. So Father, I pray that you would rekindle the spark within the mind, within the heart of all the law enforcement officers who are tuning in to this show. Rekindle that spark, that passion, that drive, that enthusiasm so that every day they would have the courage to go out there and to fight the good fight of faith. And I pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.